This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of land on which we record. We record on the land of the Wurundjeri Willem people, and we would like to pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are having a conversation with Lawrence Strangio, director of the upcoming production of Three Sisters at La Mama Theatre in June. It is also on the VCE Theatre Studies Playlist 2021. What is different about the playlist this year is that students can see any show on the Theatre Studies playlist for Unit 3 or Unit 4. So what we've decided to do is separate the interview into three episodes. Episode 1 focuses on Unit 3, Episode 2 focuses on Unit 4, and Episode 3 focuses on the elements of theatre composition. This episode is focused on Unit 4 Theatre Studies. Without further ado, I bring you Lawrence Strangio on... Three Sisters. Welcome to this Unit 4 conversation, Lawrence. Thanks, Nick. Thank you so much for giving us these two interviews. We really appreciate it. So, really exciting. We just talked Unit 3. Now we're talking Unit 4. We learned about this interesting interpretation from realism to absurdism with one actor playing multiple characters. Uh, Have a listen to Unit 3 conversation because it was give a great background to this conversation but uh, could you describe the status motivation and characteristics of some of the significant characters in this play yeah certainly look i let's start with natasha so natasha is is not one of the three sisters natasha is the fourth heroine of this play when Chekhov wrote a letter to um olga knipper who was his in um fiance at the time that he wrote the part of masha the middle sister for um, in, one, in that letter, he talked about um, writing a play with four heroines. So it's interesting, the play's called Three Sisters, not called Four Sisters, not called Four Heroines. The, 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 the interesting thing being that Natasha is, is the important antagonist to those three protagonists, Olga, Masha, and Irina, the three sisters. Natasha comes into the play in the third act, sorry, in the first act. <laughs> Natasha comes into the play in the first act at the very end of the act, towards the very end of the act, she's been invited to Arena's name day party, name days being on like a super significant semi-birthday, um, more important than birthdays. Um, and she's come as the guest of the sister's brother, Andre, the three sisters' brother, Andre, who's in love with her. Uh, and she's teased at the party. She's treated abysmally really by the sisters they already before she she arrived they've already talked about the way that she dresses is terrible and then they make they pick on her 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 particular dress sense when she does arrive and they start making sort of people in the in the part in the in the group at the party start making sort of semi-crude jokes about you know about her and, and Andre being in love and and she flees the party and and from that point on, really, the sister's fate is sealed. It's a bit like a revenge play in some ways because at, at the end of the first act, uh, spoiler alert, the, Andre proposes marriage to to Natasha, who, you know, through her sobs and, and whatever, we assume um, by the fact that they kiss at the end of the, of the act that they, they get, they, she agrees and they get married. From that point on, Natasha takes over the household. In the in the second act, you know, she's already you know 
making plans to move her child from the, the little room that it's in now to to one of the sisters' rooms uh, and move that sister in to, an, in to share with one of the other sisters. Uh, then suddenly in the, in the, by the end of that act, you know, she's actually cancelling the, um, the, 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 the entertainers that were going to arrive um, for the, for the, um, the, the pre-Easter celebrations. Uh, she's, she's, you know, as the play goes on, she, she starts to make decisions about who the servants are. She's going to kick out their old nanny. Uh, by the, by the end of the, the play, she's already planning to chop down all the trees that are outside. Um, and she's going to move her husband Andre into a different room. And she's going to put the other, the, the second child who may be from another, um, an, an affair that she's having into a different room again, into one of the sister's other rooms because that sister's leaving the house now. And so by the end end of the play, she's she's running running the roost. So there's a huge shift of her status from being somebody that's come in and is really meek and made fun of at the very beginning to somebody who gradually, step by step, very, very carefully and with incredible manners and, incre- and, and really bad French, um, you know, finally sort of um, stakes her claim on no 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 I'm sorry I, I've got a child you know you can't have this party no I, I'm I'm running the household you you look after your school but I'm the one who decides who we have as as uh, you know the staff and, the, and the, you can't let that nanny that old woman sit here you, she has to go she should go back to her village well and it's it's and she just gradually takes over as the play goes along and the sisters just let us happen. They, 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 even though they have all of the power at the beginning, they have no power at the end. And, and they, 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 they are sort of bewildered by her audacity and her, her drive through. But it's because she has a clear and, and, and specific choice, which is, well, I've got children to look after and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be the head of the house. You know, I've got kids. You don't have kids. And you mentioned that Masha kind of has a really different journey. Yeah, Masha, who's the middle sister, Masha, who at the beginning of the play is, is married to, uh, she's the only married sister, uh, and she's married to the to one of the school teachers that works with Olga, who's also a school teacher. Uh, she married him quite young, uh, just fresh out of school. So, you know, she's sort of gone into this marriage and it's been a fairly... Un, um, unfulfilling situation, and then in the first act, she meets the new battery commander, the the, the leader of the the military that are, that that are stationed in the town, um, and falls in love, and and so her journey through the play is one of being in in this in this sort of tormented relationship. I'm mean, in a marriage, I can't get divorced. It's a, you know, it's a little bit almost like uh, Anna Karenina. Or, you know, it's like all those sort of big Russian novels that are about some sort of traumatic, um, you know, romance. But it's a, it's, a, it's a sort of tormented love story. But, but, you know, as it goes along, you see her grow happier. She's, she, at the beginning, she's singing, she sits there for the first for the first, I don't know, five, six, seven pages of the play, she sits there. She doesn't say a word. She whistles a little bit in a sort of gloomy voice, and then um, and then she's about to leave. You know, and and her sister says, "What are you doing? You can't leave. This is the name day party. You can't leave this party." And so she sort of starts at, at this sort of very gloomy level, but then grows a bit happier as it goes along. But then by the end of the play, the army are being moved to another to another city. Um, in fact, to another country. They're going to Poland, 
And uh, and so this romance that has sort of grown because because Vishinan, the battery commander, also falls in love with her, even though he's too married, he too is married, and you know it shouldn't it shouldn't be, but it is, and all of that sort of stuff. But it's but they have this sort of wonderful period in the in the middle of the third act where they're both happily in love, and then in the fourth act, there's you know there's this terrible parting scene, and so you sort of see this, you know, this sort of arc of 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 a of a, a a pleasant or sort of happy rise for a little while and then this trauma this huge trauma of of him leaving and and her husband then coming in at the end and saying it's okay i'll take you back it's all right you know um we'll be happy we'll pick it up from where we were before and you can almost feel her heart breaking even more because it's like oh my god this is going to be terrible but but you know, it's 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 a beautiful and and sad thing. But at the same time, it's sort of kind of you know, it, it's a bit sort of oh, that's just horrible, you know. It's it's yeah, it, you you almost want to laugh at it because it's such a sort of sad, pathetic ending that she has. And um and so yeah, it's it's interesting to sort of see that there's that sort of arc as well. It's a it's a it's like a melodrama melodrama arc, you know, of somebody who has a sort of an ascension and then it then this huge fall at the end um so yeah it's a very different journey in terms of status and she comes in i suppose the the the, the one person who is married in the family to then being the one person who's the most unhappy at the end, end of the play although you know there's a there's a, there are there are various prizes for who's the most unhappy at the end of the play absolutely arena you know arena's fiance gets shot you know, there's a whole, whole Olga becomes a headmistress, but she doesn't want to be. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. And there's this. It's a tragic comedy. Yeah, what can I say? Tragic comedy, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And throughout the play, there's this kind of promise or hope for this play, of this journey to Moscow that never eventuates. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering. Yeah, they would, don't go there. They don't get there. Yeah. They talk about it a lot. And perhaps that's a moment where all the actors use a focus to think about. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about so, how actors yeah, use focus? Yeah, so we've, we've certainly, I mean, the, the, as I think I mentioned in the, in the last interview, the, the word Moscow gets mentioned so much, particularly at the start of the play, and then it gradually sort of tails away. But every time we've talked about it, we've, there, there's a place that they all look. There's a, there's a, there's a, and Moscow is a, it's a real thing for them. It, it's a real belief that they will go there one day. They, they don't. They don't sort of wish it. They don't. I'm, I'm trying to think if that's the right term, but they they, they actually they, they do believe it will happen. They just don't do anything about it. That's the problem. They do believe it will happen, and so we we've, we've really talked about it as being. It, you have to have a, 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 a place in the world in the room that is that is there. That is Moscow. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be over there. It's and and it's interesting. We've also because we've written our own version of this play. We've actually incorporated the fact that there is an, a constant echo of the word. So every time the word Moscow gets said, every time, maybe every within within quotation marks, but 99% of the time that the word Moscow gets said, there's a ripple around the room of Moscow, Moscow, Moscow. You know, it's this this it's a word that that sort of conjures up a a need to sort of to echo it, and so there's this constant echo that happens. But the, but then. That offers a lot of opportunities to be able to then go. Well, you know, is, is it when they say it? Is it is it a joyful thing? You know, is it Moscow or is it Moscow? It's full of hope and or full of sadness or tragedy. You know, the, the, by the end of the play, that you know, the, any mention of the word Moscow is almost like a regret. You know, there's so so both physically, visually, but also 
verbally, it's a very strong focus of the play. And, you know, it, that, that it's, it's, the one, it's the one narrative arc of the play is, is that the sisters want to go to Moscow. At the same time, the, the other narrative arc is that the sisters don't go to Moscow. But Moscow is, is the, you know, it's the, it's the, um, the common thread. Yeah, the links that, that can link. And would you say you give that emphasis in terms of your direction? Yeah, Moscow yeah. Is, the audience it's, watching would clearly notice that. Absolutely, yeah. they'll both they'll both see it and they'll hear it because it's because it's it's like a ripple. It's like a it's like a, a word that that, in a way, even if if the even if the if the cast don't say the word Moscow as an echo, the audience will will be constantly echoing it in their own heads. That's really interesting. Um, what about this, this actual space that the actors use? Do you, how is that being manipulated? Used physicalized we're so it's a fairly bare space i mean we're going for a look that is that is there's a stylized optimism op, sorry stylized opulence um that, that is the starting point of the play but as the play goes on i'm i'm one of the key things we we've, we've been grappling with is is just getting rid of furniture for the sake of furniture you know there's always talks of there's a sofa and there's a settee and there's a table and there's a chair and um that sort of stuff and i understand that you know that's the world that 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 the play comes from but the choice of this production is is to be a much more stylized presentation of that world and so there are only essential items in there and we've got a very particular list of what those essential items are and and any any need for something else has to be fully justified uh and you know and actors will try and they will and and those arguments will be had and those discussions will be will be sort of considered but but really it's it's about you know what what is the minimal that we can get get away with and and more particularly we're we're doing the show with a, a thrust presentation so it's got audience on three sides so it's it's not a flat proscenium look it's a it's it's quite clearly we're playing to three sides of the of the house and and so we want to really just play with there are you know that that allows for four entry points uh there is a you know that that each of those places in each of the in each of the different acts has a very distinct place as to where that goes to that's going to here that's going to there so the realism of that is is established in terms of you know what those entries and exits are but at the same time you know, there's a the the there's a sense that this is essentially a bare stage. That anything could happen here. Anything can be. And and as the, and as the show goes along, that the the set gets stripped back further and further and further. So that that there's a a symbolic sort of you know removal of that of that all of all of that sort of dream and hope that's there um, visually and 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 spatially within within the piece. But but the, but at the same time that again that there's a that we you know we're not trying to um, we're not we're not trying to show a, a particular place each time and that the, there's the the rooms that are that are in the script are are, are the places that, that they are but they're not but we're not trying to sort of show them in in their their full detail. Right, that's going to be really clear from an audience's perspective. And on that, how's the actor audience relationship manipulated this? people coming may believe this is going to be a fourth wall realism play but they learn very quickly from this conversation no it's absurdist it's maybe elements of farce at, at points yeah but they may actually break the fourth wall as well yeah exactly because i it's interesting i, I know that when we um when i 
I, I did a, my first checkup that I did was about I don't know eight or nine years ago, and it was uh, we we discovered in that that you can actually do direct address in checkup. It's it, uh, the, there are there are a couple of places in this in this production that we have found moments where characters actually specifically talk to the audience, but also you know there's a there's a there's a very clear sense that the uh, there's a lot of presentational style within this as well. So there are moments when things are not necessarily spoken between characters, but they're spoken out. They're spoken in, in much more sort of almost Brechtian way, to, you know, to, to the audience, at the audience. You know, there are, there are moments of, of dreams and hopes that are all played outwards rather than, than to each other. A lot of the time, the characters aren't even really talking to each other. There's a lot of talk. There's so much talk. I know, I'm losing, I'm, I'm talking a lot now myself. But, but but there is so much talk. Vashinan, who's the battery commander that arrives that Masha falls in love with, he just loves to talk. He, there there are scenes where he says, "Oh, what can we philosophize about now?" You know, it's they just love to fill the time with with talk. But at the same time, they're often not saying anything, and they're often just really addressing ideas. And some and and much of that is going outwards. It's not going to person from person to person. It's actually going out into the the world you know into the into the into the ether into the audience you know there's they're they're addressing stuff towards a sort of future generation even and, and that's that was the thing that i actually discovered even when we were doing Vanya like eight or nine years ago was this this sense of a future generation is a very important thing and and talking to the future so in a way the play doesn't you know it isn't it isn't naturalistic in the sense that it's that it's just conversations between people it's actually a conversation across time well, that's fascinating uh, that's great uh, and so it'll be really eclectic the theatrical style and there'll be a kind of fluid actor audience relationship mm. where sometimes they're talking to us and then they're back in the conversation we, we were discussing even today you know sort the the you know the possibility of you know, within COVID regulations, how much you, uh, the, the stuff can actually even happen with the audience, you know. The, so, yeah, look, you know, I don't know yet. We'll, we'll see how that goes when you when you actually get to see the show, whether whether we succeeded with that, you know, getting that protocol or not. But but it's, you know, I just think that there's so much potential in in this work and in, and in these classic works to still find that, you know, that this this notion that things live within a sort of, bubble of a fourth wall is um you know it's quite dangerous to sort of think that there isn't any any interaction because the, the, there are certainly scenes where people just talk and and you know if it was a shakespeare of course people would say oh you're just playing that to the to the house but but because it's chekhov or because it's an ibsen or because it's you know um you know of of that era of that style that we we sort of think oh no it all has to happen within the world of the play Chevetikin, the doctor, who has this drunken speech in the middle of Act Three, he comes into the room and he believes there's nobody in the room and he continues to talk. Why? You know, is he just talking to himself? Of course, he could just be talking to himself. But but surely the more interesting thing is that he talks to us. You know, and the fact that he's drunk allows him to. You know, but then again, you know, when I when I did an Ibsen play a few years ago, I discovered there are moments in that when you can just throw something directly to the audience and it's it's almost brecked you know in in, in that way and I, I just think that you know that that those those opportunities are there they're there to be grabbed rather than to sort of be sort of smoothed over and turned into something that's naturalistic or or realistic amazing well 
Lawrence Strangio, thank you so much for your time today. And maybe they can stick around for a quick fire round of elements of theatre composition in the next episode. We can do a deep dive into the elements of theatre composition. What do you think? That's cool. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> thank you. Well, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. We have one more episode with Lawrence Strangio all about the elements of theatre composition. You can find that on our feed. If you'd like to find out more about Three Sisters, you can go to lamama.com.au. Well, that's all from us at The Aside. If you'd like to ask us a question, please do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com. We answer a number of emails each week. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>